Hello, Twisted listeners. Today, we are joined by Lindsay Carlisle, um, a transitioned teacher, and we're so excited to have her and hear her story today. So welcome, Lindsay. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. My first time. You're podcast virgin. (laughs) Yeah, I am a podcast virgin. Appreciate you saying that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, all this combo is going to (laughs) go. It it usually goes to places that people don't expect it to go with us. So that's okay. That's okay. Oh my gosh. All right. So tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself and like how you decided, because you were an educator, how you decided you wanted to be an educator. Uh, so it goes really far back, but so my dad taught, he was kind of a legend in a smaller area, smaller town close to where I live. And so it goes way back. I don't know how back, yeah. far back I should go, but like originally it wasn't, I didn't want to be an educator originally. It was okay. my dream was, yeah. So my dream was always to be an actress, fun okay. fact. So like when I was 10, like that was what I wanted to do. And then I ended up going to college for theater and then I ended nice. up moving out to, yeah, I, I moved out to Washington, D.C., um, after college and got my master's of fine arts out there cause I wanted to perform. And so I lived out there for 10 years, acted professionally there in my twenties, nice. um, and then waited, waited tables to pay the bills. Cause I never like, could, you know, I never was like, yeah, you're getting paid, but you're not, it's just different. So like, I was never part of SAG or anything like that. And so I did that for 10 years and then knew I wanted to teach at some point. And then just didn't know how to get there and started looking into it. And it was just ingrained in me. And I loved it when I was doing it on the side, like for theater programs. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was amazing. So then it was probably after about 10 years of living in D.C., what ended up actually happening was, um, so I have epilepsy. And so, okay. um, and I don't have seizures anymore, but I had two brain surgeries. We're going like all off topic. Wow. Right now. No, that's is. not off topic at all. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I moved to D.C. So I had a surgery at age 19 because I had my first seizure at 17. Still wanted to act, still wanted to do it. Never had mm-hmm. a seizure on stage, which is crazy. Like, never had one on stage, That's... Um, but had them all the time. Other times, so then, you know, still went to college and then had, you know, drove all around and well, lost my license and then flew all around to get um, auditions, which is how it works in order to get, like, into a master's of fine arts program focused on mm-hmm. acting. And then, um, cause they pick like five people to 10 people every year. So I was able, I got it. I went to Catholic university of America, which is in DC, um, got accepted a week before I got accepted. I had another seizure, but it was fine. Oh. Cause I didn't have to, mm. you don't have to drive in what you don't have to drive in Washington. DC. Yeah, I was, I was wondering. Sure. So I lived there for 10 years and like was able to sort of get my seizures under control enough to where I could still work and act and, um, then after about, I don't remember how old I was, but this is like 2010 now, mm-hmm. 2010. Okay. And I had like really major, like I lost 18 hours. Like I, the C, they call it static oh. where you just continue to have seizures and seizures. And I was living by myself. Oh, oh my, my gosh. I remember calling. Yeah. So I remember calling my mom who were in there in Michigan. Right. And they flew out like, then I was out of it, like totally out of it. I'm like, I don't know. It was like, I missed my work and what about my job? And I called because I was working in a restaurant and she's like, Lindsay, where are you? And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't have to be there till tonight. It's only 830 in the morning. She's like, Lindsay, it's 830 PM. I was like, oh, so oh then we ended up, that's like, yeah, we're totally getting off topic, but yes. Yeah, so that happened. And then I was like, well, I should probably start looking into like other options in terms of like, is, is the, cause they found like a lesion in the right hand, the right, my right temporal lobe. And they didn't get it all out at, when I was 19. So then 11, 12 years later, I came back, went back to Detroit um, and they did a bunch more tests and there were still part of the lesion there. So then they went uh, in and took the rest out. Yeah. So what ended up happening, like I knew around in that year, in like 2010, I started looking into different teaching programs because I loved it when I did it with the theater. Um, and so they have a pro they had a program out there where like you could take the Praxis, P-R-A-X. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. it. Okay. So I took that test and I had to, because what they do is you take it and if you pass it for this subject, then you can do like a fast track into teaching mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and it took me, like, I took that thing four or five, four times, I think. And then the fifth time I took it, cause I didn't have any education in it. Right. And so like right. people that are taking this test have already gone to school for it. So then what ended up happening was 
you know, after that 18 hours lost, I came home, had the, you know, tests and they're like, well, we have new technology now and we can get the rest of it out. Do you want to do it again? And I was like, yeah. So I had surgery for a second time and then um, took the test again because I was like, okay, if I pass the test, um, then I got to really make a decision. But if I fail it again, then I'll just stay in DC and live there and like take it again. Well, then I passed it for the <laughs> final time that I took it. And then I had to like really make a decision. I was like, you know what? I'm going to move back home, closer to home. But I never planned on moving home because I couldn't drive. You, you need a car. Right. <laughs> you Michigan. need a car in Michigan. <clears throat> right. It's so, different than yeah. DC for sure. Yes. So that's like the really long medium-ish version of how that all happened. But so, um, I ended up moving home. Go ahead. You can. No, I guess I'm just still. I'm just fascinated that. I mean, this is all on topic because we all come from a place that brings us Mm -hmm. to education. But to have brain surgery, what? I mean, what's the recovery for something like that? I I just can't even imagine. I can't fathom. You know, it's funny how much your body changes from the age of 19 to what was I 32 the second time I had it. Um. At 19, I don't remember really having any, I was just, I was good. Like it was just like, you know, I lived at home and I was, I went to University of Michigan Flint. So I was like there like for theater. And so I took a semester off. So it took me five years to graduate, which is fine. Yeah. Um, And so I don't remember much about that recovery. The next one though, I do remember. And it was like, because what what they ended up doing when they they went in, because he was able to, what they ended up doing is they, they crack your skull open, of course. Right. So they go in and they, the second time they did it, they put all these like electrodes on it. Took uh-huh. me off all my seizure. They put, they took me off all my seizure medications for like two days, which terrified my mom. Right. Right. Uh, I was single at the time too. Like I was still single. Um, and so I come home and I'm staying with my mom, but so they took me off all that medicine and they wanted me to have seizures. And I had like three or four during the surgery, which the neurosurgeon at the time um, was like, yeah, I think you were having more seizures than you thought during the day. Cause like the seizures uh, I would have, like some of them, I would have big ones. Right. So I don't know if there's like epilepsy is a lot more common and this is like very therapeutic mm-hmm. to actually talk about it. Cause there's such a stigma with it, <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so yeah, they did, they did do that. And then they saw the seizures and then they knew which parts to take out, but then they had to cut into the like part of my jawline because it was, I guess, a little bit bigger. So that was the part of recovery that was a little bit harder because like I couldn't, I talk a lot. And so (laughs) um, like (laughs) people would come visit and I'd be talking. And then at the end of the day, like my head would just like, just be throbbing. And it was just like, oh my gosh. So it was about what we ended up doing is we ended up, we ended up going up to Northern Michigan. So like we call it up north. Like if you live in Genesee County in Michigan, you're like, you go up north, which is like an hour and a half or two hours north. (laughs) You know, everybody has a cabin, right? So my mom had, we used to have one. And so we just went up there. Like I couldn't watch TV. I remember my mom would, yeah, I remember my mom would be reading, um, like I would sit on the couch facing the wall because I couldn't even watch the TV and and I would listen to the news like behind me. And then recovering, I would sit out in the back and just watch the birds. Like you think that'd be relaxing, but like, well, that's all you're doing. Yeah. 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 So that was the surgery was in July. And once, and like right before that, like I found out that I had passed my exam and so that I had to like do some serious, like thinking about what I wanted to do. And I did go back that fall. And I think it was, I don't, I really don't know how I did it. I started school that fall. Like I went up and like, I don't know. The surgery was July, and then you're in school that fall. Yeah, in uh, uh, yeah, and I remember I don't know, and I wasn't driving yet. So like, because you have the rule is the law. Actually, the rule is six months. (laughs) Okay. So in Michigan, six six months seizure free. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Six months seizure free. So, um, and I was terrified. Like I hadn't driven in twelve years. So, um, and I never thought it would happen. So then they had to like wean me off of this one because this one medication, this one seizure medication, um, it will cause spinal bifida. And it was like, I never thought I was going to have kids, never thought I was going to have, never thought any of that was going to happen. So then after the surgery and they're like, we got it all, we got it all. Um, We're going to start weaning you off of this medication. And it, so it took about a year, but we did it really slowly. And then I was able, and then I didn't have any more seizures. And 
I was able to, luckily there was one time, I do remember when I was in school that fall um, and I went and like my mom, you know, I'm like feeling like I'm 10 because my parents are taking me and picking me up from <laughs> school, from college. But so, but they did and they took me every day and picked me up every day. And um, I remember one time I had like an MRI the next morning and I had forgotten about it. And there was like this huge paper that I didn't write. And I was just like in tears, oh. in tears. And I remember going to the professor and I was just like I'm so sorry and like luckily she'd had an MRI in the past and like knew what that they could be exhausting and like gave me a break um and I was able to turn it in but that's a very long-winded answer to your question I oh my I gosh no it. it's, no, it's, it's <laughs> fascinating like it is and it tells I mean it just gives us so much insight into into who Lindsay is and the, the struggles yeah yeah I think. absolutely <clears throat> So once you graduated and you, what did you teach? I taught high school English. So I taught for 10 and a half years. I first started as a parapro, like in school, just in an elementary to kind of like, and that was a year. And I loved that. You know, there's no lesson plans. Like you get to Mm, work with the kids and it's like fun. And so I did that while I was I know. And (laughs) then it was like, it's crazy. I don't even know how I really don't because they do so much. But anyway. Um, so I taught high school English in, um, a district it's in Flint, like not far from Flint. And I taught there for the first four years. I taught high school English and I taught, I tried to start a theater program, the title one school. Um, and it, I tried and we did like classes. It was just, there was really like theater kind of gets bumped a lot of fine arts. It do. does. And that school, unfortunately, um, and I tried it and I was there for four years and then, uh, and I met my husband there. That's how I met my husband my first year there. Um, and I loved it. And then there was some leadership changes and then I didn't love it anymore. <laughs> and the board of ed, it was really bad. And I, and my dad, like I said, who taught for 37 years, he's like, don't ever leave because of a, this is old school, right? He's like, don't leave because you have a bad principal because they don't last. Oh, well, okay. he yeah, retired. And true. He, yeah. I'm like, okay. And so I stuck it out for a little bit, but then it went so far to the board of education being corrupt where I was to the point they had like people on the board of ed that had been, that were like, you know, former felons. And, um, one of the, I remember one of the, yeah, I remember one of the members of the board of ed, like got in a fight at a basketball game, was back on the board of ed the next day. Like, okay, yes. this is cool. Similar stuff has happened. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Some of the stories, but. So yeah, and then um, so I started looking elsewhere, and then where I student taught um, happened to have an opening in English, and it's ironic because it is the same school where my dad taught Aww. for almost forty years. Uh-huh. So yeah, so I was, and I was eight months pregnant when I was like interviewing for it, and I remember saying to them at the interview. Because it was a new principal there. So it wasn't who was there when I was, you know, when my dad was there or anything like that. So it's like, I didn't really have like, you know, any ties. So I just was like, I'm going to do this because, you know, I want to do it myself. I don't want it to be because of my dad. So I go and I interview. And I remember saying in the interview, I said, look, you know, I'm pregnant. Um, you know, and they laughed because I was obviously pregnant. <laughs> and I said, I understand that when you start like in the fall, I was due August or September 1st okay. is when I was due. And I remember saying, like, I get that this is going to be difficult. But I said, I remember saying, I plan on retiring from here. Like, I'll never forget saying that. So I plan on retiring from here. So, like, if you can handle the first, like, eight, ten weeks, like, wow. you will not be disappointed. And I got the job. And then, so, yeah, when nobody ever thought I was going to leave. I didn't think I was going to leave. So that's how that happened. But I, and I love, and then I went to that district and I was there for six years and then taught English, taught I taught freshmen quite a bit, freshman English, um, had sophomores a couple times, had seniors a couple years, and then they let me teach a young adult lit class, which I loved. So I got oh, a bunch that would of be books, so much fun. like Penny Kittle, right? Went to some of her conferences and I was like, this is awesome. So they let me get books and that was great. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So they let me do that a little bit. And then, um, and then the director of the theater program, which he's phenomenal, he was, and he left because there were certain things like money wise that weren't working and he was being promised things that he wasn't mm. getting. And okay. then, yeah, 
So then he left and they asked me to take it on, which I wanted to do. I just wasn't ready yet. Because at the time, Aria was, she was four, right? And she's going to bed at seven, right? 6.30, 7 o'clock. So it's like, I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the mantra. Yep, yep. And I did it. And I thought at the time that it would like reignite my passion with theater, but it did the complete opposite. It just made me, because, you know, you're there. I don't know if every one of you have been in a theater production, but it is like, you're there all the yeah, time. Yeah, I, I ran, so, like, at my former elementary, we started a drama club for fourth and fifth grade. And we had 90 kids, and it wasn't any extra money. We did a straight show, a musical, and a Shakespeare every year. And with fourth and fifth graders. And um, it was it was oh a lot of work. It was a labor of love. But I was there till I don't know, maybe 7, 8 o'clock at night, especially with rehearsals and then, you know, getting mm-hmm. the kids to audition and the parents to step away from, just step away and let us do our thing. Um, it was one of the most rewarding things without pay that I've done. <laughs> but when I left, right, yeah. it, it <laughs> dissolved because nobody wanted to put the time in. But it was, I mean, to see kids up there performing Macbeth and I always did like a a different take on it, like a funny take and, and had the kids. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's a lot. I mean... A production is all of your time, all of your time. So Kim, yeah, I get it. Kim, yeah. wasn't Violet involved in theater at that same time? Didn't that overlap? Violet, your her daughter, was involved mm-hmm. in okay. your theater program, like not a four year old at home going to right. bed. And both my kids without you getting to kiss her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like your baby. Serena was in theater at the high school. My daughter Violet was in theater in f- fifth grade in in the production. So it was okay for a while, but. It was, it's a, it's a lot the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I didn't mean to get off. It I just remember I, doing it. And I was like, oh yeah, that takes a lot of time. <laughs> well, then you understand. Yeah, it is. Um, but you know, I love the kids. It's, it's, you know, like you hear it all the time. So um, we did Charlie Brown, which is a huge thing in its own. And I was able to get it um, to where, cause they needed somebody. They had a beautiful theater where I was. But originally when it was built, it was so that you could like make money because then you can bring, you know, dance companies in and mm-hmm. um, they they needed somebody to organize all of that. And I was like, look, if you want to do this for real, like you got to hire somebody. I'm not doing it. Like I can Absolutely. direct the plays, but I'm, I'm not booking the I'm not booking right. it. So they did. Yeah. And they did listen. They did get that. So like when I ended up leaving, um, it did end up to where they have somebody now that's there and she's young and she does like all of the booking, but I don't know yet if they have like someone solid doing the actual theater program. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so. So I'm you just think of where I was going with that. So you decided to leave kind of just burnt out or was there a precipitating event? Was there something that happened or was it just a, a general, I'm not as happy as I um, should be. It's, it's it started in the fall the way it started was in the fall of 21 um there was a so i was teaching freshman english that i had been t- teaching for for years and the woman that i taught it with she's phenomenal like i loved her she's still there super supportive um and she'd taught english there for almost 20 years um but what happened was there was a board meeting And a parent had gone to this board meeting and said, I don't like this article. And it was like at the same time that they were complaining about masks and like, do we have them wear them? Do we not? You know, it was all of that. Um, And so she, this specific woman parent went to this board meeting and said, I don't like this article that you're, you know, reading to my child. Keep in mind, this article was a supplemental piece before we were going to read of mice and men. And it was about Mm -hmm. the ethics. Um, like how women respond differently to men. It was a study that we were reading. We weren't, stu- we weren't reading it for the content. We were reading it on how to like, you know, read a piece of informational text. Like there were certain skills we were teaching. We weren't, she did not like the content that we were reading. She took literally, it was like one sentence that she took oh, out and complained. It was, it was an article and the article was about, um, it was at, it, with the, it was a study and they would ask men a question and women a question and give them different hypothetical situations and how would you react ethically? So like with of mice and men, cause it's all about, you know, it's gender discrimination. You've got racial discrimination. You have, Oh my gosh, so many things set in the great depression. So, you know, we getting them ready to read it. Like there's a lot of heavy stuff. Um, and yeah, this, 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 the specific 
question was about like what you would do if you lived in a third world country and something happened and you had to make a decision between like feeding your family and like, like sending your daughter off somewhere, like not, not quite sex trafficking, but kind of. So what ended up happening was she, like, they got a whole, like phone calls to my principal. Um, and then they ended up pulling the other teacher and myself into this room and uh- talking to us about it. And like, what, and I remember Sarah, I shouldn't, my coworker, she was like, um, she doesn't have any kids. She's not married. She's like, maybe, you know, am I wrong? I said, no. I said, I have a child. I said, this stuff happens. Like, I'm not going to shelter my, my kid from this. Like, this, these things happen. So, like, I have a child and I'd be okay if she's going to read that. It's getting her ready. It's not like we're teaching her about that, whatever. It's just, we're trying to teach her how to read a study and figure that piece out. And I remember in my head, and she apologized, and I never did. I was like, I'm not apologizing for this. I didn't say that. Good for you. But I just, no, I went into that conversation. And at that point, like, my dad passed in 2020. And I remember, like, thinking, like, what would he do, right? So there's, like, all of that emotional Mm -hmm. attachment, too. And that was, like, leaving teaching was, like, also, like, leaving that, leaving him, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like, it was so many emotions. Yeah. Yeah, but that's when it started. And I remember thinking like, like, I wasn't thinking about leaving yet. But I'm like, I don't know, like, this is, it's just different. Um, So we ended up taking that article out. And then my coworker Mm -hmm. was like, I don't even know, like, if we should, like, do I want to, do we want to read of Mice and Men? So we were just kind of like, walking on eggshells for that year. Mm -hmm. And it was just, and then it was like, and then another kid, there was something else that happened with a student where this parent just sent me this. And one of the things I was listening to you guys, like, you're totally right. I think it was you, Kim, that was, that said the difference between like walking in and like, you don't have to worry about an email from a parent that mm-hmm. is going to yes. be like scathing in the yeah. morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, after that whole article thing happened, I still did the play and we were, and I was like, okay, I got this. I'm good. Like I'm directing, like I loved my theater kids. Um, and then, um, did Charlie Brown. I was exhausted, but we did it. But it was that Christmas that I looked at my husband and I just said, like, I just remember sitting on the couch and I remember saying, like, I, I think I'm, I, I'm really seriously thinking about leaving education. And my husband is the principal of a <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal building, not where I am. It's a, it's like a CTE school. It's like a skills trades kind yeah. of, it's a phenomenal yeah. program in our County. So, so like they pull kids from all different districts in the county um and so he's still in education now he was assistant principal at a time at the time and now he's the principal of that building does very well they're amazing there um but so I still have that tie but um I just he was like what are you gonna do and I was like I don't really know I said I just you just yeah I said there's a feeling yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I said I don't know I said I just I'm really considering it I said I just you know, wanted to say that out loud and let you know. And he was just like, okay, like just, it was just, but it was also scary. Well, yeah. Um, it out there, there though, security. You articulate it. Yes. It's very powerful. Yes. I mean, yeah, I totally get that. It, yeah. It, yeah. It's just, and uh, it's just crazy. Cause I just still remember saying that to him. And so that was in the like December of 21. Right. So ish. And then so then in the, I think I had, I saw something on Instagram and it had to do with Daphne Gomez. Yep. I saw something of hers. So I started listening to her podcast. That's just where I started. Um, and it was a good starting point and just started listening to that um, on my way to school, on my way to and from uh, work. And um, my daughter was still in preschool at the time. She wasn't in kindergarten. Um, so I was, you know, dropped her off, picked her up and then would listen after dropping her off and, then I started, I got her course, her teacher career course, which was a good starting point. Like it was just something to at least get me thinking, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do um, after that, but at least it got me thinking. And then I'm like, oh, what's LinkedIn? So got on <laughs> LinkedIn trying to figure that out. So that was, there was probably about 10 months, 10 months. I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was just, and I remember listening to podcasts being like, how did they figure that out? And I want to be the teacher that's being interviewed and like never thinking (laughs) that was going to happen ever because, and I, but I still had good days. Like I wasn't bitter. It was just, 
what what when I looked at the top of the pay scale and it hadn't changed since my dad retired in 2009. Yeah. And I realized I had to go. Uh, yeah. And I realized I had to go. I already had my master's. So if I wanted to go back to school, if I wanted to make more money, I'd have to go back to school again and get in more debt. And I don't want to be an administrator. Like I don't, my husband loves it. I don't want to do that. That's not, no. That was my mom's question. And I didn't want to. Everybody who would, when when I was like not happy, when I first started, like I, I don't think this is where it's going to be at forever. I'm not happy. Yeah. Everyone's response was like, well, why don't you go into administration? Yeah, it is. And, it always is. And I'm like, but that's every part of my job that I don't like. Like, like be, I'd rather just teach and not do anything administrative. Like leave me mm-hmm. with the kids. Like, I don't want to be an administrator at all. That is exactly what no. I don't like about my job. Dealing with parents. No, thank you. No. And mm-hmm. kind of going mm-hmm. back to your story, I feel like, Things like parents bringing pieces of text forward and stuff like that all started to happen, I feel, more and more after COVID. It's like they were mm-hmm. empowered, if you will, from the – and I'm not saying that they shouldn't be involved, but they felt like they had they could speak up more after their kids were kind of mm-hmm. home and they were maybe monitoring the schoolwork a little bit more. And I feel like that's when everything – started to change a bit. Well, they're pulling things out of context. I was called, um, this was before COVID when I was teaching um, ninth grade lit resource. And um, I created a study guide that had an allusion to Jesus Christ, which is a, it was from a Charles Mm -hmm. Dickens um, text. And this woman Mm -hmm. wanted me fired. She pulled, I had to meet with principal, AP, like everybody. And, and I was like, this is an illusion. Has she even taken like, you know, American lit, like for the love, what are you going to do then when we're talking about the crucible and all these things and of mice and men, like we, that was the conversation of mice and men we had. Do we leave the, the profanity in, or do we take it out? Like it was a hard one to teach at that time because it was an archetype Mm -hmm. the archetypes and there are so important to teach about what's happening in society yet. Yes we have to be careful because we don't want to really, you know, put a lens on the bad things that happen in the world because that makes people feel bad. So I just remember sitting there thinking this was all in good. You know, I tried and I pulled it from, you know, a legitimate source for test prep and the woman wanted me gone. And I just remember sitting there like I I was making a study guide for my resource kids so that they could be successful. And all the ninth grade teachers used it. But I got in trouble for making it. I just remember thinking, what are we doing? Like, mm-hmm. take your kid out homeschool. Yeah. If, if this is something that you don't feel. And I just felt, at least I was supported. Had I not been supported with that, I would have mm-hmm. probably quick had that mindset of getting out. I'm pretty sure that parent didn't know what an archetype was or an illusion because they probably were spelling it incorrectly anyway. It, yeah, so I said it's an illusion to Jesus. I mean, she goes, well, I don't teach Jesus. I said, but. That's okay, but we illusions are well known, you know. Yeah, you know we understand yeah. what not an illusion. Like I think that's probably right. What gotta, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I used to have to write it on the board. Like this is how it's spelled. These are two different words. Yeah, you turning yeah, in your work sure. is an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you started slowly changing your mindset, listening to the podcast, um, yes. listening to Daphne Gomez. She came on our podcast actually. And I think it was our conversation with her that made me go, uh-huh. I can, yes, it I was. can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And one of the most, I still, and it was such a simple statement, but it like helped alleviate the guilt. Cause there's so much, I feel like guilt associated when you leave education, you're there for the kids, just suck it up and do it. And she said, yep. nobody gets mad at Bob from accounting because he wants to move to marketing. And I was like, that's so true. Oh my I know. God, I remember that's... that because we put it on and, and it just, it hit home for so many people that comment. Yep. So then I, w- I mean, then I trans, I, started my transition, but it was Daphne Gomez who was like the impetus for that. And we talked to Claire, we Mm -hmm. talked to a whole bunch of people and I'm like, I can do this. So, Mm -hmm. so you started, you listened, but you just didn't know where you wanted to go. Right. Like you were like, there's all of these options out here. So how did you narrow that down? Well, I did not. I will say that one thing I want to say I did do that I don't recommend anyone to do is I hired 
I hired a coach without researching. Um, and so what it was somebody that had posted on LinkedIn and it was like in probably like March or April. And that was like, Oh, you only have a few months. You only have a few months left because you're going to be done. So you got to make sure you sign up for this course. So um, I, I paid for this course, but I did it to where it was in payments. <laughs> it was $5,000. <gasps> so, yeah. Okay. So um, I pre- we appreciate I, you. Yeah. Yes. This, um, and this, yes. yes. I, I tried like reporting her to the better business bureau. Oh, I was God. like, this is a scam because like, you're saying you're doing this. And I thought it would cost this much. She left the part out that if you do payments, like I didn't know. And when you do that, then you're paying like an extra two grand. So I'm still making payments on this. And so they redo all your, they redid your resumes. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. So my advice to everybody on LinkedIn and is if you're a transitioning teacher before you pay anybody for Mm -hmm. anything, run it by someone that you feel like you can trust. Like, and you may have to run it by several someones, but like say to, to me, Hey, Jen, I'm thinking about paying, um, blah, blah, blah. And it costs this much. No, don't do that. Like start with Aaron Luber, who's going to charge you a reasonable amount of money, Mm -hmm. or you can, she can guide you to do the work yourself. Like, I feel like if you're a transitioning teacher, you have to find, and I, I mean, Obviously, I know you can trust me, but you don't know you can trust me. So find several mm-hmm. people you think you can trust to run anything by like that. I I just hate yep. that teachers are desperate and they prey yes. on the, yep. the and they prey on that desperation and the fact that we haven't been in the business world and we don't know what is like normal legit. or acceptable or legit mm-hmm. as much. And they, and they use that, that time sensitive pressure and they give fake advice and like, they'll say like, oh, you only have a few more months because you know, you're not going to, mm-hmm. you're going to want to not leave your contract. And I mean, I broke my contract. Was that the yeah. most honorable thing to do? No, but can you do it? Yes. I left in April. Yep. My principal mm-hmm. was actually fine. My kids Ended up being fine. Everything was fine. Everybody yep. was fine. Nobody and, broke. Yep. Nobody melted. Yeah. Nope. The, sis- the school system is still a school system, as crappy as it is. Mm-hmm. And um, nobody gets yep. mad at Bob because he moves from marketing yeah. to accounting in April. So what, I mean, to marketing. without going so, into all the things that didn't happen, what, what was one thing that you thought was going to happen that didn't happen in this, I guess, course or coaching um, so package? I well, it's like they, she's, you, you meet with her, she meet, you meet with one of her coaches, like the woman that runs it. And then she has one other woman that like is a coach or whatever. And she was really kind. And we met six times, um, like over, you know, virtually. And then, you know, I thought at the end of that, that I would have this resume of that it would work and it would be amazing. And they apply, you know, they say, Oh, well, we're going to, we'll apply for you. And she applied for all these jobs for me. Nothing was happening. Um, nothing was happening. And I just like, you know, spent all this money thinking it would be fine. And then none of it worked. And it was through that summer. And then that fall, you know, because I didn't want I didn't think I'd be going back. But I was I did. So I went back into the in the fall of um, 2022 without a resume I thought I was going to have. And that was Mm. like, I finally figured, you know, it took me a few months, but I figured out like, okay, this was not worth my money. And then I, I, that's when I really started like paying attention more to Aaron Luber's posts. Um, and I remember one time she posted like, um, you know, you got to narrow it down because at the top of my resume, it was like, there were like nine, nine Rolls. different topics. Yeah. And I was like this, and I didn't know. And like, I thought there was a recruiter that I follow on LinkedIn. His name is Richard Lampini. He's awesome, but he's just very kind. And I just remember, um, like, just messaging him one day, like, this is my resume. Is this, like, okay? And he's just like, why are you taking, like, it was not real. Like, there were no metrics. I had to Mm. tell my coach that I had to have metrics. I didn't even know what that was. Right. Like, no idea. Yeah, I wouldn't know what that is. I had no idea what that was. No. I I do now, but. Well, yeah, I do now, but I didn't know. And I'm like, I shouldn't have to tell my coach. So it was a total scam, total waste of money. And she still 
Like people are still purchasing her courses. I've like privately messaged people on LinkedIn that have commented on her stuff. I'm like, hey, don't do it. Like I've been able to stop a couple of teachers from like That's taking so advantage good. of that. And, but I don't want to post all the negativity, you know. Right. What I mean? it's just, I but know. this is why this forum is good because people are listening. And Jen goes on and on always about if somebody just got out of education and they're in the midst of a job mm-hmm. search, they're not the person to go help coach you to find a job. You know, I'm an no. instructional coach in in a high school at mm-hmm. this point, so I think mm-hmm. of it as if I can't do it and I haven't lived it and I haven't experienced it, I'm not going to coach it. I can't. That, that, yeah. I, you know, and that's the thing. Like, yeah. People will prey on, you know, teachers in the middle of teacher trauma and Mm -hmm. anything that you hear that's going to get you out of that, you're going to jump on it. And you've got people like appealing to you and, and, you know, yeah, that's how you, so you finally like found the right, the right people on LinkedIn who were truly helpful and yeah. So then I started and I still didn't know what I wanted to do in the fall of 22. And then um, it was uh, like the weekend after Thanksgiving. So like almost a year ago now, I was at a wedding in Florida and a friend of mine, a former teacher, um, you know, had, you know, transitioned living in Texas. Uh, and so she had transitioned from she she taught and then she owned like CrossFit. I'm really into CrossFit, not for like, you know, competition, but for fitness. But <laughs> Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Everyone oh, my husband's a CrossFitter. Me. CrossFit's fine. Okay. It's good. My husband's um, CrossFit. So, okay, cool. Um, but anyway, and she had gone into sales. And I had thought about sales, but I was terrified of it. Um, so, like, I hear that from people all the time. But after talking to her, um, she's like, no, she's like, I love it. And I was like, but I can't survive on only commission. She's like, well, that's not, not like, that's not, not how it works. Jobs are like that. No. So the, after that conversation with her, that's when I finally reached out to Aaron and I was like, hey, you know, I just messaged her like this is before we had really like had any conversations um, because she had posted one day, you got to narrow, find your top three. This is what got me to find your top three. And then which one will take you the least amount of upskilling and work to do? And that was sales because I was like looking at project management which will take a million years. I started like the Coursera course, but I wasn't doing it. There's like a project management course on Google or Coursera or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really doing it. Found out that's not really going to help. So if any project manager people, I don't know if you follow Logan Langan on LinkedIn, but he's I think awesome. I do. Yeah. We pro- also talked to Melissa Chapman and she oh, is, yeah. she's amazing and has like even an ebook out on how to best use a school year as a, as a project cycle yeah. for, for your resume yeah. or for your test mm-hmm. and to get, to be able to take the test. I think, so same as you, obviously I picked sales, um, mm-hmm. knowing what I know, and I loved it. I love it. And I transitioned mm-hmm. to become a solutions consultant, but like if I were making the train, if I were starting fresh and over, I would look at project management now. I think mm-hmm. I consider that I didn't then, but. I talked to a lot of people that were in project management and I really did. Cause like running the theater program as the director of the theater program, mm-hmm. it was like, that's what I'm doing. I mean, um, mm-hmm. and I could be able to make, you know, there's a lot of transferable skills I could use. However, it just is a lot more, it's a lot more of like a long game. Right. And I, it already yes. been like a year. Um, and I just, I was just like still having good days, but the last fall was, there was one student, one student. Oh, it takes. Um, yeah. And then another parent and I, and I remember calling my husband a couple of times just in tears. Like, I don't, I just. This is, this is, this is not, not worth it, you know, but I was still having good days and it was just like, I got to get out before I hate everyone. Cause a lot of people wait until then. And I just said, I don't want to leave. And I couldn't leave without a job lined up. I know a lot of people were doing that. No, I I couldn't either. Yeah. There was no No. way. And and people on LinkedIn, everyone's an expert on LinkedIn. I don't know if you knew that, but like everyone (laughs) is. fabulous. So, you know, I just (laughs) have to figure out like. So yeah, so that was the key. And then, um, but once I started, so what I did, I did Aaron Luber's um, resume blueprint course. And it yeah. took me, you can do it in one weekend. It took me like three or four weekends because yeah, I had to do it at my own pace. Yeah. And you have, and I had know. a five-year-old at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A child. Um, and then, um, and she was very gracious and kind and like went over everything with me. And she's just a great human being. 
She um, is. And then, yeah. And so she helped me get that. And then uh, I was still teaching though. And like having coffee chats on my, which I didn't even know what a coffee chat was the year before that. <laughs> um, on my like prep and at lunch. And um, so finally it was like that. It was right before Christmas break. And um, somebody on LinkedIn, she's actually my coworker now. Her name's Heather. And she had posted on LinkedIn, you know, anybody interested in like SDR roles because have you did, did you do the resume blueprint course? Did I did. Do that? I did not. So I hopped on like, you know how Aaron right now is doing that d- direct message, like, um, yeah. hey, direct message me. She did that with resumes back in 22. And I think I hopped okay. on like right at the right time. And she sent me a full video about my resume. And then nice. I was able to, to update it from, from her information on LinkedIn. But I yeah. w- would do it now for sure. It would have been a lot faster. Right. But yeah, well, but what I liked about her course is it made me do it myself. So yes. like, like it's a video and then, so like I have a better grasp of what I'm doing and I had to like go and look, but you have to have a focus first. Right. Mm-hmm. And so once I finally had that focus and I was able to take what I did as like the director of the theater program, and then she helped me figure out the metrics and that, that was like December ish. But right before that, um, back to my, sorry, Heather had posted, um, on LinkedIn, like if you're interested in SDR and like, I just commented like, yeah, I'd be interested in it. She's like, okay, well, why don't you just, you know, DM who's now my boss, DM Patrick. So I, D- I DM him and he's like, okay, you know, I just interested in it. Right. And so he, we, I'm at, I'm at school, I'm in my classroom and it's my prep. And so he hops on this, um, this zoom and he's like, okay, so tell me about yourself. And I'm like, oh shit, is this, a- I'm interviewing for this, this position. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like I was not, I thought it was just like a a conversation. And so I'm like, okay. So we have this conversation and, um, then, uh, I had another inner and then, you know, we did that. Okay, whatever, fine. And then like, you know, it was that same, like the next day I had an interview with a different, like a health tech, a health tech company. Um, and I was going to have this interview with them, but back to Patrick, what ended up happening was they decided to go internally. So that's like December-ish, okay? Mm-hmm. So, and he was like, however, he's like, we're going to go internally with this. However, you know, we'll keep your mind, you know, all that BS stuff that they say, but it wasn't BS. Yeah. He's like, but here's a couple of na- He's like, here's like three or four of my um, team members. If you have any questions, shoot them a message um, and, you know, to ask, you know, see what our company's about. So I did that and asked them certain questions that Aaron helped me like get some questions to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I asked them some pretty specific questions about like the work culture and like what they do and how they do it. And, um, and then, um, just stayed friends with them on LinkedIn, you know, connected on LinkedIn, but then of course they decided to go internally, but I still had those connections. So then fast forward to, um, January, like right after, it was actually right before final like, midterm, technically, uh, yeah. in January. So it's like right before that. And I got a call for this interview with this, um, with the health tech company that I was talking about earlier. So I had this interview with them. And while right before, um, right before I go on this interview, um, I had a coffee chat with Heather, the same girl that I yeah. had talked to like before. And we were just, chatting and I was like yeah I got this interview coming up I'd love your input like what do you think she was like okay cool so then she's like so this is kind of weird she goes but Patrick's like texting me right now hang on a second and then she checks her phone I'm like all right whatever she goes hey when we get off the phone he wants to talk to you really quickly and I was like okay so like we were chatting and so then Patrick calls me and he's like I know you're about to go into this interview however I would like to offer you an SDR role because Ah. it opened up it was it was actually an ISR, inside sales representative job yeah. at the time. So he offered me that right before I'm going to go on this interview with this health tech company. And he was like, I know you're about to go on this interview, but Good I just, timing. I well, I'm have like to say. freaking, I know, but I'm like freaking out like my brain is just fried. Like I took a day off of work and everything, right? Which is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So deal. for this interview. So um, that's how that happened, which sounds ridiculous because I remember people saying, oh, you might comment on LinkedIn, but you just never know. That is um, the that is the point is you never know. Like mine, super don't. similar story. Like somebody connected with me and was like, hey, love the podcast. Have you 
I see that you're interested in customer success, but have you considered sales? And I was like, tell me about sales. Like, and mm-hmm. he did. I researched the company from top to bottom and that's where I work now. And like, it, mm-hmm. but it's literally just one person. And I've been that one person for a couple of people, but the, I mean, the thing is, it's all about timing. It's all about yeah. it, but you never know who that one person is. And like, I can't right. be that one person for everything because things don't align all the time. And obviously we mm-hmm. don't have an unlimited number of SDR roles, but every once in a while I can be that person who gets somebody's foot in the door. So of what is course, it? What is right? That we job? just got 300 applications for um, a position and I'm like, Oh, Oh, wow. Yeah. I think I might've had a tiny bit to do with that. <laughs> a little Probably. Bit. Oh my gosh. But you know, yeah. So what is your, what does that job look like? Cause I want teachers to know, like, because all I know is my day job at, as a in a high school or elementary school as a teacher. What mm-hmm. what did your day start looking like as you took this job and started working? In the beginning, it was like the first. It was weird. Like the first couple of weeks, it was like I was waiting for equipment. Like no joke. Like the equipment didn't show up. I was like organizing my Tupperware. Like I'm like this is weird. But um, anyway. So what it was, the inside sales rep was I was calling on behalf of our company, the company that I work for. Um, So frontline, it's like frontline selling is who I work for. And so the company, like what they do, a lot of what we do is we're like when we take on clients, like they, for lack of a better word, will outsource like our SDRs. So we're calling on behalf of our clients, but we're like getting intel and we're trying to figure out like, and we're cleaning up their list. If that doesn't make sense in sales, like phone numbers change, jobs change. We're the ones making the phone calls, trying to figure out like who the right person is to talk to. So I was calling on behalf of Frontline, like all these sales companies, like, do you have a sales enablement team? Um, the difference is, is that we're people where a lot of other companies that outsource, it's like mm-hmm. automated. So that's the difference where we're not automated. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? Yes. Sort of. Um so what my job originally was like, and I, and I didn't know, I didn't know what a CRM was. I didn't know like what, what Salesforce was, which, you know, people listening, it's just the platform that you use. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but that stuff's all teachable, right? Cause I thought I had to upskill and all this for, for, for Salesforce. And it was like, no, you don't know, because every company is different. Everybody uses Salesforce differently. Like I did do a little bit of trails, trailhead Salesforce training, which I don't know if that Uh was helpful to be able to say, like I did that, but, and maybe Mm -hmm. I was, maybe I knew how to, to make reports a little faster than somebody from, from scratch, but yeah, I'm using Salesforce differently than frontline Uh uses Salesforce versus how my husband's company uses it. Yeah. So, um, so what I originally was reaching out on behalf of them, well, then they started looking at different ed tech companies to partner with. Um, and so there was a company that I ended up working for as on behalf of them. Um, so instead of reaching out on behalf of Frontline, so like a normal day for me is it's like I'm making phone calls, which was really scary in the beginning, but I'm really like, that's where I make, it is, that's where I like book the meetings that I need to book. Like the phone has been like where I'm best where I can like talk to people. And that's like from the teaching side, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not afraid to make phone calls. And then the acting side, like being rejected, right? Like that's constant, like, but at the same, but it's different because you're being rejected by people that you don't know. And it's not personal. Whereas it is when you're teaching. Right. Like if you have to call up, it's my, my saying when I talk to teachers in a coffee chat is, it's not ever going to be as bad as when you have to call a parent to talk about something you don't want right. to talk about. It's so, right. if somebody says I'm not interested and hangs up on you, it's not personal and it's not n- nearly mm-hmm. as bad as having a conversation with an unhappy parent. No. Right. Right. And it's, yeah. So, so it's, I'm, a, I'm at my computer a lot and that took some getting used to, you know, cause I was constantly standing up, but I got one of those, like, you know, those desks that move up and down. So it's a lot, it's emailing and and phone call and like making phone calls. Um, I, I have an awesome team. Like I'm very like, the, it's a smaller company, but I like that. Like it's, and I got mm-hmm. a really supportive boss, you know, and I remember it was like, you know, I you only get a certain amount of days cause I'll in February, I will have been there for a year. Um, 
And so there were days that I had, you know, like for break, Christmas break, you know, I said, I've got two and a half days left of PTO, I said. So, you know, can I, I would like to take these three days off in between like the Christmas and the New Year's time, because you know how Christmas falls on a Monday. Yeah. So we have that like Monday and Tuesday off. So we had these days off, but I was like, it'd be really nice to have like two solid weeks. So I asked him, I said, is it okay? And I said, and I'll just take a half a day's pay cut, you know, because I only have two and a half. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I have two and a half days left. So I'd like to take these three days. He's like, no, he's like yelling at me. He's like, you don't have, you're good. Like you can just take the three days. Like you don't have to. And like when I made it, I had a doctor's appointment. I didn't have to take a day off for that. He's like, yeah. go to your doctor's appointment. And it can be in the you're middle your of the work? day, cool. right? It can, you know, yeah. you're so used to your, my appointment either has to be first thing in the morning or last thing in the afternoon. Because you can take a half day AM or half day PM. Yeah. And, and it's so. Like, and see, this is the thing. Like every time I hear like this type of a conversation, teachers are so ingrained to have to, um, account for every minute that they are not in the building if it's a work if it's on the work time. Let me just and, tell you about my calendar this week. I mean I have work stuff obviously, but 3 30 my hair is getting done on Monday. If I it, to get my stuff done, if I need to get it done, I'll either work afterwards or I'll start earlier in the day if I if I need to. Mm-hmm. On um Wednesday Maybe it's next week. I'm taking the dogs to the vet one day and I'm going next week. I'm taking the dogs to the vet and I have a dentist appointment at 9 a.m. on Thursday this week. And I'm like, I don't have to take any time for that. And it's, it's the craziest feeling. Well, it really is. And it's, it's yeah. And then there's, there's, there are still, I will say there's a lot of, oh, what were you going to say? No, I mean, I, everything has to be planned out. Everything has to be like, yes. You know, and I've I've literally had to wait on an eye doctor appointment in the past based on the uh-huh. availability of subs. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. my willingness yeah. to write That's ridiculous sub plans mm-hmm. and then hopefully find a place that might be open on a Saturday morning. It It's just like all mm-hmm. the things that we think about when we need a day off or if I need to get a mammogram or my annual, like all those things right. are planned ahead of time. Because, you know, they're even like winter break. I always have during my breaks. That's when I get my annual. That's when I go do mm-hmm. all the things. And yeah, it's yep. mind blowing. It is. I, yep. I wonder, it'd be a really interesting study um, to compare women in the teaching profession with women outside and the frequency or the updatedness, if you will, which is not a word, but like our teachers as up to date on their mammograms as a woman who is I not can, in I teaching. can tell you no. And I mean, I think there's a real not. actual, not just mental health difference, but an actual mm-hmm. health difference. Well, and I know I remember getting yep. reprimanded because my mother uh, died of breast cancer and I had three years in between mm-hmm. my visits and it mm-hmm. was, I was duly re- oh reprimanded and I said, look, it's hard for me to get off of school. Like I people don't understand that they don't, and they they feel like, and again, you know, I go now annually, and I take that time. I'm also not in the classroom, so again, right. I can't really speak to the classroom because I'm not in there because my time I can mm-hmm. flex it out a little bit like Jen, meaning I can get my meetings and my meetings with teachers done here. I can take a half day, or I can take two hours. I can come back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had a rip mm-hmm. in my cornea a couple weeks ago, and I just left early. And I told my admin, I probably could have done that anyway with uh, uh, in, in the classroom, but then I would have had sub plans and, you know, or did I just sit there with right. a, a burning hot steering you eye? just sat there. Yeah. So right. overall, you would say you're happier now. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it's a different, it, there's no tired, like teacher tired. Yeah. No, different. I mean, no, there's, you can't. Well, and I think it, like it starts to hit you when on a Sunday, mm. like it's, like the 60 minute coming on used to make me like, I just would, it gave me a feeling of dread. Like when you'd hear that 60 minute, mm-hmm. I, it'd be like, oh, like well, Sunday give people scary. people reference for what you're talking about because I can guarantee you people don't know what 60 minutes is. It's just a new show. It comes on usually mm-hmm. after like football on Sundays. I don't know. It's. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It comes on. It, so it when I was a clock. kid, 
Yes. And when I was a kid, yeah. it was my bedtime, like on a Sunday night when 60 Minutes came <laughs> on or was going off. It mm-hmm. triggered bedtime. So my Sunday scaries must have started yep. way back then. But it's just that it's a auditory reminder that the weekend is over is basically for me. Mm-hmm. But just in general, on Sundays, like it got to the point where Saturdays were fine, but Sundays it was like I have so- I can't do anything fun. I have to do my lesson plans. I have to, I have to grade papers. I have to do all of this stuff to prepare. And I just had this perpetual feeling of dread. And then that like Mm -hmm. it's Sunday today and I'm excited about work tomorrow. Like what I'm going to do. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, and it, Mm -hmm. that's really possible. Yeah, it really is. It's, I think it hit me over Thanksgiving break too, because I had one of my memories had popped up where my three-year-old at the time, she, I was grading essays because I taught, you know, English and you got 120 essays. And I mean, I would take her, she'd go to my mom's for the day so that she could be away so that I could grade for hours at a time. I mean, I'm, I remember doing that when I was little and my dad would do it at the table, grading mm-hmm. papers, you yeah. know, it's constant. So that's when it was like, okay, and this will be the first Christmas break that I don't have to do lesson plans. So yeah. I get to actually enjoy my break. So yep, for yeah. sure. So your number yeah. one advice uh, for a transitioning teacher is be careful who you trust. Mm. Yes. And be patient because mm. like it sucks, like working full time and having a child and like everything all at the same time, even if you don't have a kid, like working full time and looking, and for, looking a job for a job is mm-hmm. so hard. It's so hard, but like it's, it's doable. You just got to be patient. It was about 14 months and I did have to go back back to school. And then I left in February because I got the offer. I did two weeks of, I did the, I did the midterms. I did midterms. And then I did about a week after that I stayed and and I gave him a two week. I did not tell my boss until I signed anything. And everything was signed and it happens all the time. Yep. Yep. The same thing. I waited until I had officially signed. I let him know. I I did give them the two weeks. Um, We didn't Mm -hmm. tell my class until like, maybe Wednesday of the week that Friday was my last day. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I mean, I just phrased it that I have an opportunity that I can't turn down. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I said. I just, I didn't want to talk because it's the district I left. It's like, it's still a good district. It's just not right. where I want to be. It's just right not now. where I want to be. It's... Yeah. It's just, so I was just done. So, yeah. and then I, I went back to get stuff a week or two later and it's just, it was like, life goes on. They're still going to class. (laughs) It was like, you know, you think when you leave, everyone, it's going to break and it doesn't. Like everyone's still going to class. No, that was like eye opening too. like going back like a week later. Like, yeah, they don't give a shit. (laughs) I mean, right. Like they were sad momentarily, but life goes on and you're replaceable. We're all replaceable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a hard hit. That is a hard hit. When you mm -hmm. feel like you've affected so much change in a school and and you leave and... It yep. And, 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 and I still matter. miss like, there's a, no, it doesn't, but I do. I still miss the kids a lot. Like I yeah. do. There's some, I don't miss, uh, but yeah. like the relation, <laughs> the relationships and that piece of it, I miss like in the conversations mm-hmm. and there's a couple coworkers I miss, but yeah, all in all, it's just so much better for my family life and for what we're doing now. And yeah, but Absolutely. it's just, it's the, it's the being patient part and like continuing to pers- just, and I know that sounds cliche, but like, Cause you think it's just never going to happen and it's, yeah. and then you got to go back to work and you're just like, okay. And you're just not there. So yeah, yeah. February and then almost a year. So yeah. Yay. Well, congratulations. Your story's yeah. been very, very um, interesting, you know, yeah. and yeah. I think it's good to know <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's good to know, like, again, you know, when we talk about teachers, we see them in a different light, but we are human. We have human issues depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. stress, you know, we've got the yeah. joys going on, um, you know, and your health issues too, on top of everything else that you've, mm-hmm. you know, come through all that's amazing. Like th- that's a story that needs to be heard that because there's yeah. somebody out there who's probably going through something like, I just can't get through this. They hear some of these stories and they're like, okay, I, maybe I can, maybe I can get through yeah. this and make a change. And that's, yeah. that's why we do this is so that we can, mm-hmm. you know, that that feeling of being lost and there's nothing else I can do as a teacher. I'm only a mm-hmm. teacher. I'm always a teacher. And that's not, that's not the mm-hmm. case. Yeah. yeah. 
So Not thank you. So your daughter's name is Aria. 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 Yeah. Aria. Aria. Would she like to come on and say hello? Well, hello. Hi, Aria. Hi, Aria. You say hi. Hi. What, you, hi. what are you doing today? What is? What are you up to? <laughs> Nothing. 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 Do you have a favorite book that you like? Yeah. What's your favorite book? Beast Feast. Beast Feast. Have you ever heard Beast of it? Beast Feast. No. Is mm-hmm. it scary? Nope. <laughs> nope. It sounds like it could be, but I'm glad it's not. It was good to see you, Aria. Thank you for coming. Thank you. I'm glad you got hey. to meet. Yeah. Hey, Aria, will you do me a favor? I want you to wrap up our podcast. Can you say in your loud, not loud, loud voice, not like yelling, but say, stay twisted. Can you do that? Ready? We can do it together. Ready? We'll do it together. One, two, three. Stay Stay twisted. You said it. (laughs) All right. All right. You guys have a good day. Have a good day. Thank you so much. It was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.